0: This morning we're continuing in 1 Timothy, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 to 13. And this passage is speaking particularly to those who are deacons in the church. Now Andy spoke last week and spoke to those who were elders, and and today I'm speaking about those who are deacons. But what I'm going to do today... Uh, because if I applied this passage just to those who are serving the official role in deacons of our church which are those that are on our board I'm only going to be talking to a very few people and so I want to broaden it out today so I want to tease out some uh, applications from this passage that we can all apply uh, regardless of our roles in the church at the moment. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 8 to 13 it says this, in the same way "'Deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, "'not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. "'They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith "'with a clear conscience. "'They must first be tested, "'and then if there is nothing against them, "'let them serve as deacons. "'In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, "'not malicious talkers, "'but temperate and trustworthy in everything. "'A deacon must be faithful to his wife "'and must manage his children well.' And his household well. Those who have served well will gain an excellent standing with great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul has written this letter to Timothy, the younger Timothy, and he sent Timothy to the Church of Ephesus, and he's given Timothy the responsibility to help guide the Church of Ephesus in how the church needs to function. And so there's a lot in First Timothy that we can unpack that we can apply to us today, especially in terms of how we function as a church now just like a cricketer needs tools a cricket bat pads thigh pad gloves protector all of those other bits and pieces the helmet and so on a good cricketer needs tools to be able to do and perform well so it is with us when it comes to how to live out our faith in the context uh, of this passage and what it means for us as a church and i want to suggest to you today that there's three tools that we need to consider Uh, the first tool is the tool of servanthood, the tool of servanthood. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, right at the start, Paul says, in the same way, deacons. The word for deacon is the word diacone or diaconus. and that word literally means to serve, to be a servant. And so Paul had this expectation of those that were in leadership of the church to be servants. Now, Over the course of the last week or so I've been receiving a few text messages, uh, text messages related to football uh, and and certainly on Friday night I was getting a lot of text messages uh, relating to football but um, I haven't had time to respond to all the text messages. Because uh, so, there's been a lot of them and I've been busy and it's been hard to keep up. And so Glenda, I, I just feel I want to respond to your text messages um, right now. So, so I've received a few text messages from Glenda, Glenda Barracks for the Melbourne Football Club. Uh, and, and, and just, um, I, she basically, I think Glenda, you said something like, and it was following the fact that Brisbane beat Melbourne in the semi-final and knocked Melbourne out of the finals race. And you said something like, it's, you can't talk about it on this Sunday because it'll all gone past and it'll be too late, so, so you can't mention it. And, and I think you're right, so I'm not going to mention it. Um, <laughs> but, but, but what I am going to talk about is, is, is what happened to the Melbourne Football Club from last year to this year. And it's really interesting. So last year, you can remember the grand final. At Melbourne, what did, you, what did you win by? 70 points or something like that. It was a 100-point turnaround in about 30 minutes. you were 30 points down and, and just kicked on. And it was extraordinary. Great win. And then started this season, you, you went 10 nil. Isn't that right? You went t- to won 10 games, lost nil and looked completely dominant and, and looked like you were invincible. And everyone's saying it's going to be Melbourne by how far? Now, at the end of the grand final last year... A lot of Melbourne players were being interviewed and I remember them being interviewed and, and they were asked about, you know, what, what's the reason for your success? And they said, we're playing for each other. We're really playing for each other. Uh, we're giving up, our, we're playing our roles, we're giving up our own need to, to do certain things and we're, we're being servants of each other. That's effectively what they were saying. Now, I don't know if you remember, Glenda, but when Melbourne were 10-0, you remember what happened? There was a bit of a fight going on, wasn't there? Do you remember that? One of their footballers, uh, a group were out drinking at night and and, and rarely does anything good happen when a group of young men are out drinking at night and and they, they ended up having a fight and instead of playing for each other, you could see that there was a little bit of maybe hubris and selfishness creeping in there. It's interesting, isn't it? We need to be servants of each other. There's a guy called Robert Greenleaf. Now, he wrote in 1970 an essay called The Servant Leader. And Greenleaf, uh, uh, in his essay, he was a a business guy, a CEO of a company, and and he wrote this essay, and it was a transition for him from being a business guy into the world of uh, academia and, and researching all of this different area. And He wrote this essay called The Servant Leader, and he talked about the importance that people in leadership need to be, first of all, servants. And in the world of business management and all of the discussion and conversation that's gone on since, there's been a lot of extra research and papers and writings being done about this idea of being the servant leader. Now, now Greenleaf himself, in this, this essay in the 1970s, he said, "'Good leaders must first become good servants.'" And there's this whole school of thought now around servant leadership and all those that write and, and speak about servant leadership in the corporate world today point back to Greenleaf and say he was the one that came up with the original idea. But, but we know that's not true, isn't it? When we look at that passage that we saw in Mark earlier where Jesus says, you need to become a servant for all. What does this look like for us today? Well, at New Peninsula Baptist Church... On our list of volunteers, there's something like 300 people that have put their hand up at some stage to serve in the church, which is amazing. I remember at our Thanksgiving service on the 31st of July, and I looked at all the people that were involved in that service in some way. Uh, And it was people that were bringing along morning tea and providing and they were serving in that way. There were people welcoming at the door, the the music team and the choir, the the sound guys and the tech guys, the the pastoral team. Uh, There were so many people different. It felt like as I was out the front welcoming people to come into church, it felt like we've got everyone serving here. It felt like church as it really should be. So that's the first one, servanthood the second one is sincerity that's really interesting in this passage in verse 1 Paul talks about how in the same way deacons are to be worthy of respect and sincere and then he goes on to talking a bit about what that looks like because sincerity is really just doing what you said you would do and being who you said you were So he says, not to indulge in much wine, not to pursue dishonest gain, um, to keep hold of the deep truths of faith with a clear conscience. What Paul's really saying is here: those that are serving in the church need to be a people of integrity. Now Andy, when he spoke last week, he started by talking about the number of pastors in recent times over the last few years that had fallen fallen as a result of uh, uh, inappropriate or improper behavior in different areas it might have been around power it might have been around money or it might have been around sex and there's so many pastors that have fallen over the last couple of years it feels like there's this clean out that's happening at the moment and a lot of things are being exposed which they really need to be exposed because pastors need to be people of integrity but i want to speak today to a hero of mine a pastor who was a man of integrity. So, past, Pastor Sir Doug Nichols uh, was born pretty close to the turn of the last century. Uh, he grew up in Kamerunga, which is uh, not far from Etchua, and an Indigenous mission sta- uh, station there. Uh, and he grew up, and he grew up as a, a very fine athlete. In fact, he ended up playing AFL football for Carlton originally, and then uh, went to Fitzroy. He represented Victoria a couple of times playing uh, AFL football. He also was a, a fine sprinter. Uh, he, he, he could run a lot of running races in, in, across the short distances. He was a boxer. Uh, he travelled around Victoria and other parts of Australia in a boxing troupe. Uh, now, Doug Nicholls was only five foot five. Uh, he played on the wing. He was only a little guy, and, and, and whether it was in AFL or at boxing, there were a lot of other guys. That would like to to really go after him and and take a piece of him but he was he was so quick and so skillful that it rarely happened certainly in doug nichols day there was a a racist element that he experienced being an indigenous footballer and an athlete in the 1930s but doug nichols's mum was a faithful christian woman and she committed herself to praying for him and at the age of 32 he committed his life to jesus and there was a significant transformation that happened, so much so that Doug Nichols is, is now noted for his achievements and, and uh, in the 1960s he was given an MBE, in the late 60s he was given an OBE, in 1972 he was knighted, in 1976 he was knighted again when he became the Governor of South Australia, an extraordinary list of achievements. The AFL Indigenous Round is now named after him and just this year he was put on a postage stamp in recognition of his contribution to Australian society. Now those things are talked about quite widely and if you jump online and research Doug Nicholls, those are the things that they'll list off. The the AFL footballer, the boxer, the athlete, they'll talk about his achievements in latter life. But rarely what they mention is what happened in the 1930s, 40s and 50s where he was the pastor of the Gore Street Church of Christ in Fitzroy. And Doug Nicholls ministered to and walked alongside Indigenous and non-Indigenous alike. Particularly in Fitzroy at that time, there was a a large group of Indigenous people that were populating the area. Uh, Many situations of disadvantage and difficulty and challenge and, and Doug and his wife just ministered into that space for over 20 years. You see, the reason Sir Pastor Doug Nichols is a hero of mine is because, yes, he achieved much. He had an impact with his life. But it's the 20 years of faithful ministry in a tough environment because he had some skin in the game he wasn't just the spokesperson from a distance he had lived experience and everyday experience of walking alongside and walking with those who were doing it tough one of the things we know about sir pastor doug nichols is that the man that he was in public was exactly the same as the man that he was in private And when you look at a life such as this, it can't help but challenge us. Because we need to be asking ourselves the question, is is our public and our private lives the same? I want to encourage you today, challenge you even, to make yourself open and vulnerable to others. They're always has the possibility to be parts of our lives that we we don't want to shine a light on. And yet the call of this passage and the example of Sir Pastor Doug Nichols is that we need to. We need to find those spaces. It might be in a life group. It might be amongst a small group of people who you trust and where there's a safe place for you to share openly and vulnerably for people to be praying for you and over you as you navigate the challenges in life. We need to make sure that our private life matches our public life and vice versa. So there's two things we're taking out of this passage. There's this need to to be a servant, to to, to see servanthood happening. And then there's this need for sincerity. And when you, you bring those two things together, there's something that happens. There's an impact that takes place. And that impact is our standing or our reputation. In verse 13, Paul says to Timothy, he says, "...those who have served well gain an excellent standing." And great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ in my experience in different community organizations that I've been a part of and different opportunities where I've had to be present in my local community what I've learned is that when you put together servanthood and sincerity you're granted standing you're granted the opportunity to share about that and about he means more to you than anything else last Saturday Saturday week ago I had the uh, opportunity to attend our crow's nest men's breakfast it was a great time we had about 70 fellas there uh, enjoying a a very hearty bacon and eggs and tomatoes and mushrooms breakfast meal that was uh, not quite the highlight though it was very good but the highlight was getting to hear from a, a guy by the name of commander Cameron Eastman Uh, And Commander Cameron Eastman is a Navy guy, spent the best part of his working life in the Navy and has risen to the rank of being a commander, Uh, works out at the Cerberus Navy base. And he came along and he shared about some of uh, his life experience. And he shared about one particular situation where he he had found himself in a a bit of a difficult and a challenging time. He he had a, a goal to become a Navy pilot but there was a health concern that had risen up and it disqualified him from being able to take this course of action. And so he decided that he would leave the Navy and he had a few months, maybe a year to go before his time was up and he could leave. And so he found himself just coasting along. And he he turned up at a church and and there was an older lady there at the church that came alongside him and and just started to encourage him and and prayed for him and spoke, I guess what you would call a prophetic word over him. And the prophetic word came out of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29, which says this, Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings and they will not serve before officials of low rank. And this was an encouragement and an affirmation to to Cameron not to just coast along in his work but to actually take on whatever it was in front of him full bore to, to, to operate with servanthood and sincerity in all that he did. And so his attitude and his mindset around his work changed and it shifted and he started to approach it and all of a sudden opportunities started to arise, opportunities for promotion and advancement. And so instead of leaving the Navy, he ended up staying. Now, not too long after that, he received a phone call from the Governor-General's house. It was at the time when Bill Hayden was the Governor-General. And he received a phone call and they said, we, we have a, uh, there are three roles that are, are assistants to the Governor-General. One is filled by a person of the Navy, one is by the Army, one is by the Air Force. And we would like you to apply for this role. And he was one of three candidates to apply for this role and and they went and they they had a, a few days with the governor general and his wife uh, including having a dinner and various other things and over the course of the few days uh, governor general bill hayden decided that cameron was going to be the person that would be his aide for the t- next 12 month period and so all of a sudden cameron sees the fulfillment of that prophetic word where because he chose to do things with servanthood and with sincerity he gained a standing a reputation and literally was serving the four kings i want to do things uh, a couple of things just just in in finishing up as i said i've been talking generally about uh, from this passage and, and yet when paul speaks or writes these words to timothy he's really speaking specifically to a smaller group of people those who serve as deacons in the church and for us at new peninsula baptist church that role of deacon is filled by serving on the church board and while i i guess i don't want to unnecessarily embarrass anyone or anything else like that what i am going to do is ask for anyone that is either a current serving board member or a past serving board member if you would just stand now if you're either a current serving board member or a past serving board member I want to say to you thank you thank you for your service to our church Thank you for your willingness to tackle some difficult and hard challenges at times. Thank you for your, your faithfulness, your prayerfulness, and your godly example. Our church is the church that it is today, in no small part because the likes of you have stepped up and served. So I say thank you. Can we thank them today? The second thing I want to do in finishing is come back to that passage in in Mark where Jesus is talking about how we're to be servants first and foremost. And he goes on to say these words. He says, for that even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That whoever would be first among you must be a servant of all. And as we conclude this time today, and if the worship team would like to come forward at this time, they're welcome to do that. I'm just aware that there would be numbers in this room and those that are connecting with us online who are only just starting to get to know Jesus, he who is a servant to all. And you're just starting to grapple with this idea that he gave his life as a ransom for you. That in getting to know him, in believing in him and what he's done for you, there is an opportunity. There's this amazing opportunity to find forgiveness and freedom and fullness of life that is not otherwise possible by any other means. And there may well be some people here today and you're just feeling like you're, you're broken. And maybe in those honest moments, you're saying, yeah, I've I've mucked some things up. Well, I want to say to you today that God loves you, that he died for you, that he defeated death in order for you to have that fullness of life in him, and that he would love nothing more than to welcome you with his open arms this morning. I want to encourage you, if that's you, as I pray right now, to put your trust in him today. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that some 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul, inspired by you, put some words down on paper to encourage the younger Timothy as he led the church of Ephesus, of Ephesians. And Lord, thank you that those words can still speak to us today and that we can take on board what they say and we can see, yeah, we can make an impact with our lives, not because we're good at something necessarily, but because we come first with that posture of servanthood and sincerity. And Lord, for those that are in that space which I've just described recently, that space of, of, of coming towards you, just getting to know you, of seeking, maybe not all the questions have been answered yet, but there's a heart there and an awareness and a growing understanding of the love that you have. And in these quiet moments, I just encourage you now, whether you're here, on site or you're connecting online to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for defeating death. And thank you for the new life I now have in you. And Lord, I pray for us as a church at New Peninsula Baptist Church. I pray that we would be that people that you have called us to be. The people who act with a posture of servanthood and live with sincerity. And Lord, out of that, we pray you would use us. Use us mightily to share of your love and your good news with those around us.